1: This is the nightcap with Tim
2: Murray and Super Bowl champion Sean King on v End, the Sports Betty Network.
1: We are off and running on a Monday night from the Circus Sportsbook in downtown Las Vegas alongside Scott Seidenberg sitting in for Sean King. A bit under the weather this evening. I am Tim Murray. It is officially college football season. We will have meaningful games, even though they're, let's just say, not the sexiest, but they're something. They will count. We do have fake football on right now as the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Trail by 13 to the Atlanta Falcons early <laughs> in the uh, third quarter. The Falcons uh, Falcons trying to get the 2-0, which might eclipse their total of wins this regular season. There,
2: <laughs> it looks like it, and uh, this one looks like it's trending towards the under, although it's still really early in this game. There's about 10 minutes or so left in the third quarter, and we've seen a little bounce back. For the unders in week two of the preseason, we know in week one, including the Hall of Fame game, 14 and three to the over, a little. Back down to earth, you could say, in week two of the preseason, and a lot of reasons so. Mm-hmm. I mean, we speculated after week one of the preseason that the lack of practice time, the lack of hitting had has led to, what, poor tackling, bad defensive play in week one of the preseason. Well, you get another week of practice underneath your belt. A lot of these teams had joint practices during the week, so they're familiar with each other. The intensity is ratcheted up. And ready to take out frustrations on each other in week two preseason games, so uh, we've seen it come back down to earth as far as the totals.
1: Yeah, I believe this week, uh, barring uh, what happens here, as you mentioned, trending towards the under here in Atlanta. Uh, but it is uh, six, uh, six and nine. Uh, the overs were so nine and six. Yep, uh, for the unders. This game, excuse me, uh, at MetLife Stadium. So uh, we'll keep an eye on what's happening there. We'll give you uh, the live totals. I think. Uh, right now looks like circa uh the last number posted th- thirteen and a half in favor of the Falcons uh jets are driving right now. Hey, how about last night? you know we're we're not here uh to react all that much to what just <laughs> happened. Uh, that's more of what you did last night uh, on the look ahead, but the Ravens did it again uh it this run is absolutely remarkable. It is a better's dream, and usually, Scott, when you hear about these trends. It's too late. You can't jump in. You can't join the fun. Mm -hmm. Well, everybody was talking about entering week one of the preseason. They cover. And last night, they did it again. The Baltimore Ravens have now won 22 consecutive preseason games. And they have covered, I believe it's 11 straight, 20 of those 22. They have covered as well. The run is remarkable. We'll see if it continues when they play Washington to wrap up the preseason.
2: Yep, six-and-a-half-point favorites against the, the Commanders in the final preseason game. And there's a lot of speculation as to why the Ravens are this successful in the preseason. And uh, I think what I've come to, come down to as far as the main reason is that their quarterbacks are carbon copies of each other. They have done an incredible job of building an offense that does not need to be tailored to any one player. Every quarterback they have in that room can run that offense. Whether it's Lamar Jackson, whether it's Tyler Huntley, whether it's Anthony Brown, whether it's Brett Humley, any quarterback in that room. Can run that offense. And it's a great way to build a team. And I think it's why they've had this success in this preseason run because it doesn't matter that Lamar Jackson is not playing. It's still the same offense. Yeah.
1: And uh, we'll see. This might, I don't think this is full on preseason hero type of thing that uh, if you've worked in local radio, there's always a player or two that every fan falls in love with. I don't know if he'll be catching eight balls for 100 yards and a touchdown, <laughs> uh, but the Coastal Carolina product, Isaiah Likely, uh, has been damn impressive so far this preseason. Fourth-round selection, uh, the Ravens were raving about him early on in training camp. You know, this is a team that has a lot of questions at the wide receiver position, mm-hmm. obviously trading away Hollywood Brown. Uh, they did go out and just signed Demarcus Robinson to come in, uh, but they're going to be utilizing those tight ends a lot. And obviously, they've got Lamar Jackson in the backfield, and Mark Andrews is an elite tight end. But this is going to be a a very important piece, which is kind of crazy to say, Scott, when you think about a fourth-round selection. Mm -hmm. But I think he's going to be very important to the success of the Ravens, a team that... I personally have a ticket on them to win that division, and a, p- a lot of people believe that with all of the injuries that they dealt with last year, it's a prime candidate for a bounce
2: back, a a last a first place type of situation there in Baltimore. Yeah, they're still the bet to make to win the division because they're the class of this division. And without Deshaun Watson playing for 11 games now with the Cleveland Browns, it's the Ravens' division to lose. And you mentioned, you know, likely to likely make this team and have an impact. You see what I did there? I did. Yeah. Well done. Uh, Never it, been done before. It's happened before. We've seen preseason stars come out and earn their way onto a regular season roster and shine. I mean, I go back to, you know, my days in New York and Victor Cruz was a preseason hero for the New York Giants. Remember that huge game he had in the Snoopy Bowl against the Jets and winds up becoming a regular season star and, and people, people forget like the salsa thing that, that that wasn't like he wasn't he came from UMass he wasn't a big time prospect but he emerged in the preseason and became a favorite target of Eli Manning and maybe likely is becoming that target for the Baltimore Ravens yes yeah,
1: so we will see uh once again uh, I'm in on them and remember this you know in a division that we think is going to be so closely contested with the Bengals you know the Steelers probably taking a little bit of a drop off and now with the De- Deshaun Watson situation being finalized, the Ravens did finish in last place, meaning there are three games that differ from the Bengals. They play three last-place teams from a year ago. Mm-hmm. The Bengals play three first-place teams from a year ago. So just something to keep in mind if you know it is that close, which I think it will be, but that's why I lean towards the Ravens uh, ultimately winning that division. Tom Brady, according to him, he will not be on the Mass Singer. I don't believe it. I am going to watch very closely to the reality program uh, upcoming this fall. I want it to happen. But Tom Brady back at practice today uh, after his time away, the reports were, uh, all kidding aside, was that he was with his family, had a little vacation that was priorly scheduled, and he was back at practice today. I'm sure he won't play in the final preseason game for Tampa. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, Scott, I know you talked about it last night on your show, and uh, I have been high on the Saints – I do think the Saints are worth a look to win that division at at anything plus three dollars, which you can find pretty much anywhere. I know Bet MGM, I believe, is still at plus three twenty-five. Um, you know, there you go at DraftKings plus three ten. So we'll see this offseason, you know, with the retirement, then coming out of retirement. Now, this vacation, Bruce Arians retires. Todd Bowles steps up, who I'm a big believer in. You know, the offensive line has been all sorts of banged up. They lost pieces uh, to retirement. Alex Kappa goes to the Bengals. Tom Brady has defied every logical thing in Mm -hmm. this sport, right? I mean, he led the league in passing last year. You could argue he should have been the league's MVP. Um, He's won seven Super Bowls, of course. He's been to 10. I mean, at some point, Scott, it's going to stop. And I do think this Saints team, with the with the firepower that they have offensively, uh, they're going to be a real challenge for this Buccaneers team, who I think, personally, takes a little bit of a step back.
2: Yeah, I think the Bucs go under their win total. It's one of my favorite win totals of the season is under 11.5 for the Tampa Bay Bucks 130. Those was the last juices that it was at. And I think if you can fade this Bucks team in any way, you go ahead and do it. They're going to take a step backwards. And uh, I, I talked about this last night on The Look Ahead. I see a lot of similarities between this Bucks preseason and the Packers preseason from last year. Aaron Rodgers was away from the team. The whole will he, won't he retire? Is he going to host Jeopardy? We don't know what's going on with him and Shailene Woodley and whatever is going on, right? Well, Brady away from the team. We don't know what he's doing. He's on vacation. It's a pre-planned absence. A lot of turnover with this team, right? He's got new pieces that he has to work with. The offensive line is banged up. A new head coach. None of the starters are playing in the preseason like the Packers last year. No Adams, no Jones, no starters playing in the preseason. Offensive line issues. Packers last year in week one go to Jacksonville to play against the New Orleans Saints. And they get walloped. Granted, they went thir- what, 13-2, 13-2 and the that, next yeah. 15 games. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that, that's, that's fine. And the Bucs could have a tremendous season. But week one against the Dallas Cowboys, that line is dropping. Is right. it plus two for Dallas? Yep, it's one. Plus one and a half, plus one right behind us at Circa. They have it at a pick'em. They're the sharpest book in town. I follow these guys. Cowboys are the play in week
1: one. Well, and I want to pull up that Tampa schedule because I think it, you know, I, I am in on the Saints to win this division at plus 325. You still can mm-hmm. get it up at MGM. But I think there's an opportunity to buy back early on in the season. Because the Tampa schedule, as you mentioned, here at Circa, it's down to a pick. Week one on the road at the Cowboys. The Buccaneers are a road favorite currently against the Saints, but we know historically that the Bucs have really struggled against the Saints, right? So you're on the road against New Orleans. Then you're home to the Packers, you're home to the Chiefs. I mean, that is a very challenging start to the season and why I mentioned a possibility for buyback. So let's say you buy in at plus 325, on the New Orleans Saints. New Orleans starts the season on the road at Atlanta, where they'll be a favorite, arguably against the worst team in the NFL in the Atlanta Falcons. Then they host Tampa Bay, where they are a slight home underdog, but they're still at home in a lively atmosphere, game home opener against Tampa Bay. And then they go to Carolina, where they'll be a favorite there too. There's an opportunity, in my opinion, to potentially buy the Buccaneers at a really low price, you know, at maybe, you know, plus... Some sort of plus money right now. They're you know minus three hundred to win this division. So I, I think there's a an opportunity there to potentially buy Tampa Bay and get yourself in in a great situation where you'd have plus price on both teams, Scott. Because Carolina and Atlanta are not winning this division. I don't hate it at all. So that would be the way I would look. I am in though on the Saints plus three twenty five still available at Bet MGM. That's Scott Steinberg. I'm Tim Murray. Todd Furman will join us bottom of the hour. Scott. Oh, yeah, that's right. This weekend, college football, baby. We yes. take a look at that week zero slate next.
2: Nightcap on v the sports betting network.
1: Welcome back in. This segment of the Nightcap is being presented by Zin Nicotine Pouches. Zin Nicotine Pouches are fresh are a fresh, simpler way to enjoy nicotine that have helped millions of people achieve lasting change by offering smoke-free and spit-free satisfaction. Zinn understands there isn't one right time to make a change. Everyone's timeline is a little different. Everyone's on their own journey. But whenever you feel like you're ready to take that first step toward change, Zinn will be there for you. Check out Zinn Nicotine Pouches at zinn.com. That's Z Y N.com. Warning this product does contain nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Alongside Scott Seidenberg, normal host of Look Ahead, I am Tim Murray. As Scott's sitting in for. Mr. King, today, uh, breaking the action late third quarter. Your live line right now, after the Jets just scored a touchdown, uh, it is 5.5 uh, in favor of the Falcons, 16-10. to 10. Your live total mm. is 36.5. Preflop was 38. So, starting to tick back up towards uh, preflop uh, area as we got a touchdown there from the Jets. Uh, I don't know who, let's see who it was. It was a nice run play by the... Uh, by the jets into the end zone um I was able Lawrence Cager, former Georgia Bulldog able to uh, get into the end zone before we get to college football um Jordan Montgomery is on the hill right now Scott yep and uh, you are one of the uh the sharper baseball minds here at the network and put out plays every day obviously talk about the the lines every night on on your show um me and Sean have had the same thing said the same thing since the trade deadline why it's why it's did the, the Yankees trade him? It's the most him?
2: baffling thing that I can think of. It's, Eight innings tonight, mm-hmm. one hit,
1: six strikeouts, no walks. Yeah, he's Chicago. It,
2: this is his fourth start for the Cardinals, and if if he gets through this inning clean, it'll, it'll be a clean, complete game shutout. He'll have four starts for the Arizo, for the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. See him in football mode. I said Arizona. Uh, <laughs> he'll have four starts for the Cardinals and only one earned run allowed. One earned run since he became a member of the Cardinals. Why the Yankees traded him, why the Yankees decided that Frankie Montas was a better addition to the rotation than Jordan Montgomery, I have no idea. He was shocked by the news. He said that that he was shocked by the news. Him and Jamison Tyone were like buddy-buddy, so you broke up that camaraderie in the clubhouse. I don't know. I don't know why the Yankees made this move. Brian Cashman's a smarter guy than I am, so I I assume he has his reasons, but Jordan Montgomery has been one of probably the better trade deadline acquisitions across all of Major League Baseball.
1: It's hard to argue. I mean, what he's been able to do. By The the Cardinals
2: are about to win their, what, eighth straight game? Eighth in a row. I
1: think they open up a
2: six-game lead on the Brewers if the Brewers lose tonight. Yeah,
1: Brewers in uh, in L.A. That game just underway. The Brewers dropping two of three over the weekend to Chicago – Brewers have a pretty manageable schedule moving forward, and I think that's more worrisome for the Padres as opposed to the Cardinals, who seem like a runaway freight train like they were last year around this time. Uh, they've won, I believe, 18 of 22. Actually, 17 of 21 uh, It would be 18 of 22. And you brought it up. I mean, Albert Pujols? <laughs> you know, it's always, you know, every year it's like, well, should X player be in the home run derby? Because that might, you know throw him off. Mm -hmm. We joke, like, why is Albert Pujols in the home run derby? He has the success, uh, and he has been vintage Albert Pujols since the
2: second half. Seven home runs in the last 12 days uh, for (laughs) Albert Pujols. Um, Drew Smiley becomes the 449th different pitcher that Albert Pujols has homered off of, tying Barry Bonds for the most all-time. And he is right on the heels of Alex Rodriguez for the all-time home runs list. And we have never seen Albert as motivated. Well, we have, but in the past. Uh, this is the most motivated we've seen Pujols in a long time. Yeah,
1: 693 homers, another one
2: today. And what was the crazy stat that you said this would be the first time ever? This would be the first time in his career that Albert Pujols has homered in a game that ended with a one nothing score. So of the 693 home runs that Albert Pujols has hit, not one of them have ever come in a one nothing game. That's like the wild. only run of the game is an Albert Pujols home run. Absolutely remarkable yeah. stat if that were to happen here. So once again, one
1: away, bottom nine, Cardinals and Cubs. Uh, Cardinals looking to make it eight in a row. Jordan Montgomery dealing Yet again. All right, Scott, we've got a uh, we got a week zero. Uh, sometimes there's some hidden gems out there. Uh, I know last year, I think you and I were on the same wavelength uh, to take Illinois against Nebraska. Uh, that came home. I'll be honest, I have not made a bet yet. Uh, I have not either. For week zero. Uh, I've been focusing on futures. There are a couple more. <laughs> I can't help myself. I'm like mm-hmm. a kid in the candy store. There are a couple more uh, win totals I'm probably going to fire on later tonight. Uh, but we've got a game over in Dublin, Ireland.
2: Nebraska, and Northwestern. Uh, Your thoughts on this? Because I see this total at 50 and a half. Mm -hmm. And I am, well, let's just say I am a little curious about the condition of the playing surface. Okay.
1: Now, I will, I don't, uh, so off the top of my head, Mm -hmm. when Notre Dame played Navy there, I believe it will be the same stadium, Aviva Stadium. 2012, Notre Dame beat them 50 to 10. Okay, and I re- recall I don't think there were any issues with the field. Georgia Tech played the following year, and I I can't tell you what happened in that game. It was I think it was Georgia Tech UCF, if my memory serves me, I could be way off. Uh, so I can't recall what the field conditions. But you're worried about field conditions? I don't know. At I Aviva mean, I'm just
2: saying it's uh it's a, a grass hybrid surface. Um, and you know, I, 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 I'm not sure. I mean, maybe it could, maybe some poor footing, maybe some, you know, like, you know, like, like bad grass, like it's soldier field. The grass is terrible. Nebraska, replace it.
1: Nebraska is <laughs> such an interesting team this year. Uh, some buzz to win the big 10 West, mm-hmm. which is kind of, you know, shrugger the shoulders. Hey, it could be Wisconsin. It could be Iowa. It could be Nebraska. Hey, it could be Purdue. Uh, um, Casey Thompson,
2: a quarterback. Casey Thompson
1: now. comes in. Mark Whipple comes over from Pittsburgh where he. Had wonders last year, you know, Heisman finalists and Kenny Pickett, Balitnikov winner and Jordan Addison. Can they all put it together? You know, everything on the line here for Scott Frost, zero winning seasons in his tenure there uh, in Lincoln, which honestly surprises me because I-, I felt like going from UCF to there, there would be success. But then you look at the statistical anomaly that was Nebraska last year, three and nine, one and eight in conference play. And yet they had a positive point differential That's how close their games were last year in the Big Ten. But are they ready to win by 13 points? Northwestern was a team that was terrible last year, but it's kind of a bizarre, like, every other situation with Northwestern. They went to the Big Ten Championship in the COVID season. Prior to that, they were terrible. year prior to that, they had a really good year in uh, 2018. So I think right now it's a pass. Maybe look at the dog late if this thing gets steamed up to 14. Uh, But it's a pass for me. Um, You know, one of the games that's kind of uniquely interesting, and Sean's brought this up a bunch, is Nevada, New Mexico State. Under normal circumstances, Hmm. we wouldn't even mention this game. Yep. But the reason we're bringing this game up, Nevada has been a very popular season win total underplay, I think, on the network and, you know, sharp college football minds out there. Uh, It's down to four and a half now. Bill Conley put out his final. Uh, notes on the season, and since he's been tracking returning production, Nevada is the lowest returning production percentage he has ever tracked. Just 22%. -hmm. This team got absolutely ravaged by Jay Norvell leaving to go to Colorado State. I think he brought 11 players from Nevada. Others transferred all across the country. I don't know what to expect from the Wolfpack. Look, New Mexico State is not expected to be very good. Thought to be maybe the worst team, one of the worst teams in college football. This is a home game. And, boy, have you seen a whole lot of line movement, Scott, on this one. This game opened as high as 14.5. It is down to nine consensus across the board.
2: Yeah, I, I, I would not be comfortable uh, betting this game <laughs> just because of both of these teams. But I'm glad you brought up returning production because I don't think people realize how important that is especially early on in the college football season. It's a great way to indicate which teams are likely to have success early on. One of the worst teams in college football in returning production is the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors. Yep. This just program is in such just disarray. I don't know what Timmy Chang is going to bring to this program as a head coach. He pr- doesn't even know what he's going to bring as a head coach. You re- you listen to the press conference, you read the clippings, he understands. The whole program is upside down. Vanderbilt, I get it. They're not that good of a team. This is still an SEC program going into Hawaii to play against guys who have m- probably not played before uh, in this program. And I think Vanderbilt under a touchdown is a gift.
1: And it really could have been an opportunity uh, for betters to try to middle it uh, because there were some spots way back when this thing opened up. I had two and a half out there. (laughs) Uh, DraftKings, it looks like, opened this game as a pick. It is now up to six and a half. So if it gets to seven, you might see that that buyback coming. So, yeah, nothing too uh, wild jumping out. Wyoming, another team, by the way, not much production coming on back. (laughs) Todd Furman. He will join us next right here on the Nightcap. Check out today.
2: This is the Nightcap on VSEND the sports betting network.
1: Baseball predictions made brighter. Join the Born in a Ballpark Challenge presented by Blue Moon to compete free for cash all season. And our weekly prediction pools to fight for your share of $62,500 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Blue Moon. Now to join the action Blue Moon made brighter. 21 and over only. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Drink responsibly. Alongside Scott Seidenberg, sitting in for Sean King, I am Tim Murray. It has gone final. Cardinals, blank the Cubs, one to nothing. Jordan Montgomery, complete game shutout, no walks, 7Ks, one hit, 99 pitches, (laughs) and Albert Pujols homers in the game. And for the first time in his career, as Scott pointed out, he wins a game. The Cardinals win a game where he homers and no one else scores. Uh, By the way, the Jets just scored, so they will will take the lead uh, against the Falcons. But – we do have meaningful football, and a gentleman who has been working hard. Check out the podcast, Bet the Board. He and Payne Insider uh, have been breaking down college, and now going division by division in the NFL. The most recent division uh, is the NFC South, and uh, Todd Furman joins us right now. Todd, you know we want to push people to the podcast. So we're not going to tell you to give away you know everything uh, <laughs> that you guys broke down so eloquently on the pod, but. You know, looking at this division, Saints are plus 325 at bet MGM, Buccaneers minus 275. In my opinion, seems a little rich, uh, but when you guys broke it down, what kind of jumped out at you about the NFC South this year?
4: Well, first things first, I appreciate it, being a Yankees fan, that you guys lead with positive news about Jordan Montgomery. <laughs> I know if the Yankees are going to accomplish anything the postseason, it's all going to be on the bat of Harrison Bader, not because they're short of just starting pitching depth. But when we're talking about the NFC South, guys, I do think it's a fascinating division, much more so than the odds would suggest, because when you look at this Tampa team, In my opinion, they have a lot of questions they have to answer. It's not just with Tom Brady, his level of focus and engagement as he continues to do things that are improbable for a man his age, but you look at the banged-up offensive line that he's going to have in front of him. It's a lot of unfamiliar faces, and Brady at this point, we know he has a quick release, but at the same time, they do want to try and stretch the field a little bit, which could be limited when you're talking about no Chris Godwin early on. We're not quite sure how healthy Russell Gage is, who's been out for a little while. All the folks that believe that suddenly Julio Jones has found the fountain of youth, I'm not buying into it. So their win total, 11.5, I think there's only one way to go, would be under. It's not a position I have taken on Tampa, and as far as odds to win the division, I'd have no problem if people wanted to try and make a compelling case for the Saints, or maybe
2: even dig a little bit deeper, thinking that Baker Mayfield could be the ultimate cure-all for all things Carolina Panthers. Well, Todd, it is a position I've taken. Uh, on the under the uh, bucks 11 and a half and I have real concerns you you mentioned most of them and specifically in week one and I want your opinion on this because I draw a lot of comparisons to this preseason for the Bucks and last preseason for the Green Bay Packers Rogers away from the team with the uncertainty the will he won't he dance uh, some offensive line issues no starters playing in the preseason at all. And it's similar with the Bucs. The offensive line issues are much worse for them. No starters are playing in the preseason. And Tom Brady's off in the Bahamas for 11 days. Last season, we saw the Packers go down to Jacksonville and get smashed by the Saints in Week 1. Tell me why the Cowboys aren't the play here in Week 1 against the Bucs team that I don't think will be prepared for this game.
4: You know what? I can't really argue with trying to make a case for Dallas week one playing at prime time. Now, the one thing to keep in mind as you break this game down, we know Dallas's home field advantage, oftentimes overvalued in the betting market. You've already seen a short move on this game, Scott, with Tampa opening a two and a half point favorite. Number down to a pick them at a lot of shops, but if you do shop around, you can still find the Cowboys plus one and a half. And for those folks so inclined to be able to tease them up through a couple of key numbers, three, four, six, and seven, what have you. The sharpest move, though, that I've actually seen on this game follows that similar logic that you just laid out. And it's in regards to the total. It opened 52. We're looking at some of the sharpest shops out there at 50. There are still some 51s. And I think there's reason to believe that this Tampa offense is going to operate in fits and spurts. It's a Cowboys team that, in my opinion, doesn't have nearly as many weapons now as they have in the past. And we'll see what life is like for Ceedee Lamb, adjusting from being a number two, essentially, at least with a co-runner in Amari Cooper, to now being the leading alpha there. They don't have a lot of secondary depth. And if Tampa sells out to stop the run, I think this could be a game where the first team to 24
2: wins. I might be inclined to wait this out a little bit longer, hoping the public drives it up in prime time of opening weekend. You know, William Hill has fun bets available here in town on college wins versus NFL wins. And I've talked about this with some guys here in town. Alabama versus the Tampa Bay Bucks. Alabama minus 135 to have more wins than the Bucs. I'm already on the under 11.5, and I think Alabama is going to go 12-0 and 0 in the regular season, so this is a bet that I'm making. Would you make this bet, Todd?
4: Uh, it would be the only way for me to lean on that particular prop. I think to your point, when you look at Alabama's schedule, you figure the absolute floor for that team is 11-1, and 1, and when you're trying to assess Tampa, it feels like 12 wins would be their max. And one thing that we didn't even talk about other than the X's and O's when we're trying to assess where Tampa is is their schedule in the first four weeks of the season? They'll have their hands absolutely filled. So if they were to get through that stretch at say even one and three, that sets them up for a spot where they're going to have plenty of work to do going forward. Uh, and I'd have no qualms about making a case for Alabama exceeding Tampa's win total there, minus a buck thirty-five.
1: Talking once again to Todd Furman. Check out the podcast, Bet the Board. Uh, he and Pain Insider uh, multiple times a week. It's uh, it's been an enjoyable listen uh, breaking down. College football, and now they're uh, into the nitty-gritty of, uh, of the NFL. I do want to jump into the college uh, ranks here as, uh, as Scott kind of led us there. You know, Todd, it, the numbers are going to be so massive. We're seeing it already. You know, uh, Alabama look ahead against Texas, I think, is around three touchdowns. <laughs> Ohio State, that thing's going to keep creeping up against Notre Dame. 15-and-a-half, uh, wouldn't be surprised if we get north of 17. And then you look at Georgia. Uh, Georgia over a 17 plus point favorite against Oregon. I mean these three teams are so highly power rated, you know what would be the angle of betting those three particular teams this year, Todd? Do, do your numbers kind of agree with uh, with the assessment from most bookmakers?
4: Well, what's been interesting, normally a lot of professional bettors won't tie up their money well in advance with such short prices, like you see typically with the Blue Bloods in college football. But that wasn't the case with Alabama. There were a couple of shops earlier this spring that hung Alabama at a price right around 3-1, to and that was way too much value and opportunity for guys to pass up. Now with the market at a plus 180, I don't think there's a reason to try and run to the window. That's a number that probably will be widely available throughout the course of the regular season, unless Alabama looks like an absolute freight train through early October and are able to dismantle the likes of Texas A&M and company. As far as Ohio State, I'm very curious to see what this defense looks like. Because Jim Knowles brings over a ton of experience But one of the things he benefited from immensely last year in Stillwater was having a defense whose average age was on par with a lot of NFL teams, if not a little bit older. This is going to be an adjustment for the Buckeyes. Fortunately for them, they don't face a team that can throw the forward pass and is going to put a lot of stress on them early in the campaign. But if that side of the ball gets solidified, we know how good and electric they can be offensively. I think the Buckeyes of that trio probably make the most compelling case if you're looking to try and identify a future at North of 4-1.
1: Todd, a team that has gotten a ton of buzz this offseason is is Utah. And everywhere you look, they're the team that the punditry, which is kind of funny because usually Utah's the overlooked team, mm-hmm. but they played in the Rose Bowl last year. They look really impressive winning the Pac-12 back-to-back wins over Oregon. And now you look at them going to Florida week one, a really big opportunity for them. Cam Rising, it's his team now. There's no more Brewer nonsense. Uh, but this line is, is interesting because you got a top 10 team laying less than a field goal. Now, I know it's moved in their direction, but you know how do your numbers look at that week one showdown down in Gainesville between Utah and Florida?
4: You know, I think it's pretty accurate where the numbers should be now, and I can understand why folks gravitated towards making a case for Utah when they were short underdogs in this particular spot. The biggest fear I would have with the Utes is going into conditions that they're not all that familiar with. I know it's a night game at the Swamp, so humidity and the beating sun won't quite be the same factor that it would have been if it was a noon kickoff. But at the same time, we'll see how Utah players hold up if it's a tight game going early into the fourth quarter, because as we all know, it's a little bit of a drier heat that they'll practice in in Salt Lake City, and sometimes you can't acclimate nearly as quickly as you need to. As far as the season long outlook for Utah, when you look at their schedule, it's the a team that I bet over for a small position at eight and a half. I don't love it at nine just because I don't think there's a ton of wiggle room now. You go through their schedule and try and identify the potential landmines. The game against Florida that we just talked about, they're under a field goal favorite. It'll be a similar number when they go to Oregon the second-to-last Saturday of the season, where they could be a short favorite or maybe even Oregon catapults into that role, depending on how the Ducks look. And then you're looking at games against UCLA and USC. When I break down Utah, it feels like a team that should go 10-2 and two at worst, 9-3, and three, the absolute floor for this team, assuming Cam Rising can pick up where he left off last year with a pretty impressive performance in that Rose Bowl that they came up short against Ohio State.
1: Final 20 seconds, Todd, uh, because I'm, I made this bet today. Uh, Under three and a half for Colorado. They might be an underdog in all 12 games. They are bad.
4: Yeah, it's a program that I think we got a glimpse of what they could be with a rare championship game appearance a few years ago. But they have turned to the depths of being a destitute program within the Pac-12. Tim, I'll do a little dumpster diving for you real quick. Akron over two and a half plus a dollar ten. I think that's a MAC team that could surprise a little bit. I know you are a big believer in Joe Moorhead and everything he brings. In to the
1: VSN college football betting guide, someone might have said play over Akron the two zips. and a half. Just saying, just say it. Hey Todd, <laughs> always a pleasure, man. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Todd. You got it, boys. Thanks for having me. And check out the podcast, Bet the Board. He and Payne Insider, the most recent episode breaking down the, the zips. NFC south a man (laughs) well deserved got a new job today and we'll celebrate with patrick everson next
0: at bed 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every home run every hit every inning every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field
1: The College Football Betting Guide is out now, and the NFL Guide drops this Thursday. Start your football season on the right foot with expert profiles of every team, including team trends, power ratings, and over under recommendations, plus best bets on season win totals, division finishes, and player awards. Remember, the only way to get access to this year's football betting guides is to become a VSIN All Access subscriber. Sign up on our discounted football special and get all access to everything we do from now through the Super Bowl for only 175 bucks, and or save 50% off monthly price with an annual subscription and bet smarter all year long. Go to vston.com slash subscribe for all your options and become part of the Sports Betting Network. Alongside Scott Seidenberg, sitting in for Sean King. I am Tim Murray. Hey, remember when the Falcons were up 16 to nothing? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it remember, is now-
2: remember when we were trending towards
1: the under? Yeah. <laughs> Can we say Scott mushed the under because it is twenty four to six and uh, the over has come on home in this one? So the overs are now imp- have improved to twenty one and eleven. But you know, some of the best news I saw today, maybe the best news I saw today, was something that came across all our Twitter feeds because we all follow him, and it was Patrick Everson has found himself a new gig. At VegasInsider.com, he is a senior reporter there. He is uh, he is the best in the business at Patrick e underscore Vegas, and he joins us right now. You know, Patrick, congratulations, man! We had to put you to work right away. We couldn't wait, you know, and, and let this news just you know just be in the 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 social media sphere. So we had to put you right to work. Congratulations, man!
3: I appreciate it, and I'm happy to be busy. It's all good. It's all good. Busy, busy, busy. Patrick is good, Patrick.
1: Well, that's uh, no, that's good, and we're we're fired up to get those uh, those tweet storms on Saturdays and Sundays, and your videos from every sports book in town. So let's jump right into it. We do have uh, meaningful football coming up on Saturday, albeit you know it's a it's a light slate as Week Zeros tend to be, but we do have a Big Ten conference game. Uh, a couple other Power Five teams are are in uh, in action, so. Uh, what are some of the line moves? What are some of the, uh, the bets that have come in from the books that you've talked about about week zero?
3: Right. Well, I, got a, I had a good discussion with Zachary Lucas, director of retail sports at TwinSpires. He's always a, a really good source, a good sounding board. And uh, it went over just a handful of games that seemed like the most noteworthy, and you kind of pointed to them already. Obviously, Nebraska Northwestern playing over on the Emerald Isle uh, on, on Saturday. A uh, little bit of movement here, not much. Open Nebraska 12 and a half, spent some time at 13 back to 12 and a half. And what Zach told me is he said the public is siding with the double digit dog here, uh, and some small sharp play on the dog as well. Not overwhelming in either case, but, uh, Northwestern a little shy of two to one tickets and right sitting, sitting right on two to one money, uh, as the double digit dog against the Huskers. And, uh, you know, another game featuring a Big Ten team, obviously Wyoming and Illinois, that line's been pretty stable at 10 at Twin Spires. The total has been the, the mover there. That opened 46 and a half down to 44. And Zach said sharp play on the under in that affair.
2: As far as the futures market is concerned in college football with the season getting underway this weekend, has anything jumped out to you based on your conversations about where the money has moved in the futures market?
3: You know, I, I think we. I got a couple of interesting emails today, one from Points Bet and one from DraftKings on this. And what honestly stood out for me at Points Bet is that people have no problem taking uh, the very short price on Alabama,
2: Scott.
3: Mm-hmm. Alabama is way ahead, almost twice as many tickets as, as the second-best, second-most ticket, as the team taking the second-most tickets, excuse me, Alabama taking about 29% of tickets at points bet. Ohio State second at 16%, so pretty far back. And it's a pretty similar story in money, too. Alabama taking uh, 30, a little, almost 31% of money. Ohio State at between 17 and 18% of money. So I guess I, I wouldn't say it's surprising, but it, 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 you know, that the gap is that large for a team at that short a number is certainly interesting. It's just, you know, people just can't get enough of Alabama, I guess. And and again, at points bet, Ohio State second in tickets and money. And Clemson, third in tickets and money. Your defending national champion Georgia Bulldogs uh, fourth in tickets and mm. money, sitting at plus 370, even though they're sitting at plus 375 at points bet. And they've only got about a third to a quarter of uh, money in tickets as their uh, SEC brother in Alabama. So I, I, I definitely think that's
1: fascinating. We're talking to Patrick Everson once again, new gig, uh same Patrick, senior reporter mm-hmm. at VegasInsider.com. Uh, he'll be all around town doing what he normally does. Uh, letting us know where the money and, and, and all the action is coming in. You know, the Heisman trophy market, you know, to your to your point of what you've heard about Alabama and Ohio State, it makes sense. I think I think betters are are wisening up to college football and knowing it this isn't college basketball right it's it's really a very few uh-huh. handful that can ultimately win the championship the Heisman trophy though i think is a fascinating market uh, because i took a flyer on Jackson Smith and Jigba a couple weeks back at 60 to 1 i know a ton of people are in love with uh, Alabama linebacker Will Anderson. So I'm not trying to rain on the on the content you're about to deliver, but what has been some of those bets that have been flying in uh, in that Heisman market? Because I think this is where bettors are probably getting a little bit more creative, looking for those long shots.
3: Oh, I think they are, and some of them may speak to the to the long shot that you just just mentioned a moment ago. But I'll start with DraftKings. Uh, Will Anderson Jr., Alabama uh, linebacker, like you said, getting some love. He's number one in tickets and money at uh, uh, at DraftKings, but not by much. This is a much closer, you know, this isn't the, the blowout that Alabama has made it in the national championship tickets and money. Uh, he's followed by C.J. Stroud, Ohio State quarterback. Again, we're talking Alabama, Ohio State, uh, and he's not too far behind. And then you got Caleb Williams, uh, Jameer Gibbs, and Hennon Hooker running 3-4-5 in the Heisman race at DraftKings. But again, to your point, Jim, when you jump over to uh to Points Bet, people are getting a little bit more creative. And you mentioned uh, uh gosh, I don't even know how to pronounce his full name, but Jackson Smith
1: Injigba. And Jigba. Yep, right? Injigba. Okay,
3: great, I got there. He's actually, you know, he's at thirty three to one now at Points Bet and uh, and is fourth behind Stroud Anderson and Caleb Williams uh in terms of tickets taken. And um uh, He's he's third in terms of money, in terms of handle, behind only Stroud and uh, uh, and and uh, Bijan Robinson, uh, who's another long shot, forty to one. So people are definitely getting a little more creative, uh, generally speaking, with the Heisman. To your point, Tim, than they are with. Uh, the national championship at
2: this point. Patrick switching gears and going to the NFL. We saw Carrot Top place a bet on the Raiders <laughs> to win the Super Bowl today. <laughs> Did he move but, the lines?
1: <laughs> yes, sharp better move, yeah, move the lines. Yes,
2: you were there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that is not uh, something. That's not a new topic of discussion, right? The Raiders are actually right. attracting a lot of love in the futures market.
3: Oh, definitely, and and certainly. Uh, a portion of that is due to, as we, we discussed a little bit last week, Scott, uh, is due to the, their local bias and how that, you know, the more that, they, I mean, in Las Vegas, there's always going to be this local bias, but the Raiders weren't always here. You know, it's only been a couple of seasons, but as sports betting expands more and more to, to, to more jurisdictions, you're going to see local bias creep in. It certainly creeps in here in Vegas as well. It did a lot with the Knights. It's certainly doing it with the Raiders. And this is from Casey Degnan at the Superbook. He said, actually, Uh, The Raiders are their number one, they they are the leader in ticket count throughout all of Superbook's operations. They operate in several other states, but that's being driven pretty heavily by the Las Vegas market. And because of that, at the Superbook, the Raiders Super Bowl odds have gone from 40 to 1 to 20 to 1. So I advise, please shop around, because if you like the Raiders, uh, you can get a better number than that, no question. Um, it's just an issue of, uh, of the Superbook managing their position with the money they're getting on the Raiders. So the Raiders, number one in ticket count, also number one in liability, uh, they, they're definitely, uh, they're definitely a concern behind the counter of the Superbook. And I've heard a lot of people talking about taking the Raiders in the, uh, in the AFC West. It's a uh, look, they're the, they're the fourth out of four teams, but they are the shortest underdog fourth team underdog of any of the eight NFL divisions because the AFC West is pretty loaded.
2: So I guess you can never tell when Carrot Top is joking or not. So, yeah.
3: <laughs> exactly. I think he might have been being a homer. Maybe he thinks
1: there's something to it. We'll see. I don't know. Carrot Top gets to the gym though, so I wouldn't mess. I wouldn't mess with Carrot Top. Uh, we're talking. <laughs> okay. We're talking to Patrick Everson. Hey, Patrick, we only got about 30 seconds, but I, I do want to let the people know about the new gig and, and what to expect from you uh, as we head into football season.
3: Well, again, I appreciate you both having me on and and, and making the announcement. Uh, a lot of the same things I've been doing forever, but now at vegasinsider.com, a lot of video action reports, a lot of written articles, a ton of social media content. I'd, I'd appreciate it if you followed at Vegas Insider, and of course, give me a follow at PatrickE Vegas. And uh, again, a lot of the content you come to expect, including the Saturday and Sunday morning tweet storms.
1: Uh, the, those are the best. And, uh, you know, Scott Van Pelt on his, uh, on his sports center always says the best thing that I saw today, that's what he leads every sports center with. Your news coming across uh, all our feeds was certainly uh, the best news I saw today. Patrick, fired up for you, and uh, we won't be a stranger, obviously, calling you nonstop. Fantastic. Thank you both. Have a great night. There he is, Patrick Everson at Patrick E underscore Vegas. One hour in the books. We're talking Broncos.